Welcome to Bedtime History. Hello, this is Breck. Guess what, parents? Bedtime History is now available on Story Button. Story Button is the easiest way to listen to our show without using screen devices like your phone or a tablet. Story Button is like a radio that's built for easy listening to your favorite kids' podcasts like ours. And the best part is there's no subscriptions or fees to access the content. This week, save $10 and get free shipping when you go to storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. That's storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. Have you ever dug a hole somewhere outside, hoping you'd find something ancient and mysterious? How would you know what it was, who it belonged to, or how old it was? These are questions that archaeologists ask all the time, as they carefully dig through layers of cities, houses, even trash heaps to discover clues about how people lived in the past. Today we're going to visit an ancient civilization that was almost forgotten, and look at some of the clues archaeologists have found about who they were and how they lived. First we're going to journey back 4,000 years to an area that is now partly in India and partly in Pakistan, called the Indus River Valley. In this ancient time, two large rivers flowed through the valley. The Indus, which gives us the valley, the name we use now, and the Saraswati, which has long since dried up. Here in this hot, dry region, the rivers provided food, water, and transportation for a sophisticated civilization we now call the Indus Valley Civilization, or the Harappan Culture. Monsoons brought torrential rains to the area each year, as they do now, flooding the rivers and making the soil around them rich and perfect for growing crops. The people of the Indus Valley culture built grand, carefully planned, and constructed cities, as well as hundreds of other small settlements. They prospered for thousands of years and then vanished. What happened? How did these people live? And how did we rediscover them? Archaeologists began to rediscover the cities of the Indus Valley Civilization in the 19th century. The first person to note that there might be ancient sites in the area was Charles Mason, an Englishman who had abandoned his job with the East India Company in the 1820s and went exploring in northwest India. During much of the period of this rediscovery, the British Empire controlled what is now India and Pakistan. Mason thought the remains of the city he had found which is now called Harappa, were somehow related to Alexander the Great and his conquering army. He was wrong. Later, a British archaeologist named Alexander Cunningham thought it was a Buddhist site. He was wrong too. Neither man guessed that the city was much, much older. By the time Cunningham began excavating Harappa in the 1870s, many of the structures had been taken apart. Workers had taken them to use on a railroad that was being built between the cities of Lahore and Karachi. Still, he did find some interesting items, especially a mysterious seal with a bull and some symbols on the top. The seal may have been used to stamp property or as a person's signature. The symbols at the top are especially remarkable. They look a lot like writing, but no one has been able to decipher what they mean. We don't even know what language they're from, though it's probably similar to others spoken today in India. In the early 20th century, another archaeologist named John Marshall planned and started major excavations of both Harappa and another city 
called Mahenjo Daro. An archaeologist on the project, named Rakal Das Banjeri, found seals at Mahenjo Daro that were very similar to the ones at Harappa, 400 miles away. These seals also had the mysterious writing and similar images of the people, animals, and even unicorns. He thought that the two cities must be part of the same culture. Marshall's team eventually discovered that the Indus Valley culture was much older than any other known civilization in India. In fact, it was one of the oldest civilizations in the world, along with the ancient Egyptians and Mesopotamians. The cities are in ruins now, but we can see their layouts and basic features, and archaeologists have unearthed many artifacts or objects from everyday life. Together, these things give us an idea of how the Indus Valley people lived, but also leave some tantalizing mysteries. A lot of careful planning went into building Mahenjodaro, Harappa, and other small settlements of the Indus Valley civilization. These cities were built on gigantic raised brick platforms to protect them from flooding. Most had a large citadel in the middle for protection. Homes, markets, and workshops spread out under the citadel. All the streets were straight and ran in either east-west or north-south directions. This would certainly make it easy to find your way around. Different trades such as metalworking or pottery were practiced in different parts of the city. In Mahenjo-Daro, there is even an area that seems to be a public bath or pool. Indus Valley civilization cities were also the first in the world to have sewer systems and pipes that carried waste from homes. Even small homes had a room with a toilet and washing area, like a modern bathroom. Keeping clean and healthy must have been important to these people. With such well-organized cities, someone must have been making laws and ensuring that planners and builders followed the rules. But we don't know who that was. Except for one small statue, we haven't found many pieces of art that seem to pay tribute to a king or leader. Archaeologists haven't found any opulent palaces where you'd expect a royal family to live. They may have had something like a city council, a group of people who made the laws. Priests may have been involved in ruling, but someone was running things and running them well. Very few weapons have been found, suggesting that Indus Valley civilization was peaceful and stable, and whoever made the rules made sure there were standard ways of weighing and measuring things. Even the bricks in the different cities were the exact same size. It's pretty unusual to find a civilization that appears to be so stable and peaceful. But there's another thing that makes the Indus Valley civilization unique. Toys. Archaeologists have found thousands of objects that look like they were used as toys or entertainment for children. Small clay figurines of animals, people, and carts were probably the action figures and dolls of their day. They found rattles, spinning tops, marbles and dice, game boards with tiny ivory pieces, and clay mazes that you navigate with a marble. There's also evidence of how people entertained each other. Small figurines of girls in different dance poses. We also know they kept dogs, cats, and birds as pets. Archaeologists have found clay figurines of dogs with collars and bird cages. The Indus Valley civilization wasn't isolated either. They were trading with other cultures across Asia. Jewelry and beads were made using metal and gemstones not found in the local area. Jade from Central Asia, amethyst from further southeast in India, lapis lazuli, and gold from northern Afghanistan. No one has found coins or anything like money in the Indus Valley cities, so they probably bartered or traded for these goods. 
Still, like everything about the Indus Valley civilization, it wasn't a haphazard, disorganized system. The weights and measures we talked about earlier were used to make sure exchanges were fair, and the seals were used to show who owned things and where they'd been in their trading journey. We don't know much about what the Indus Valley people believed. We have to guess based on artwork and other objects they left behind. Some of the seals and figurines seem to show gods or goddesses. They show people with unusual features, like horns, or surrounded by wild animals. We can also learn about religious beliefs by looking at how people took care of the dead. The Indus Valley people buried their dead with containers of food and drinks and jewelry. This might mean that they believed their loved ones would need these things in the afterlife. Many people have tried to figure out what happened to the Indus Valley civilization in the end. Sometime between 1900 and 1700 BCE, something was happening that caused people to start leaving the grand cities and settlements. The Saraswati might have started to dry up, while the Indus began to have more and worse floods. The longer floods may have left more salt in the soil, which made the land worse for farming. Other settlers may have started moving into the area, pushing out old residents. It was probably a combination of different things. We know the change happened slowly over time, not all at once. The great cities and carefully constructed buildings began to crumble. The sewer systems decayed or were even blocked up. The items people put in graves were lower quality and less valuable. By 1700 BCE, most of the Indus Valley cities were empty. Whatever happened, once the Indus Valley civilization was gone, the world began to forget about this vibrant culture, one of the very first advanced societies in the world. Over time, the cities crumbled and the earth covered them up. New people moved into the area, created their own great cities, art, and monuments, not knowing what other fascinating culture once existed there. This is why it's important to be curious and learn as much as you can. What other mysteries do you think we'll discover about our past? What's buried under your feet right now? How old is it? And what does it mean? Maybe one day you'll make an interesting discovery, and then you can try to answer all those questions. Thanks for listening to this episode about the Indus Valley Civilization. Be sure to tune in next Monday for a new episode.